Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. We are on to game week number two here in Happy Valley. Penn State returning to Beaver Stadium along with many of you, I'd imagine, as the crowd gets back to cheer on these Nittany Lions. The 1-0 Nittany Lions. We're still waiting for the updated AP Top 25 poll to drop on a Tuesday afternoon. We're recording on a Tuesday morning. We typically plan to come to you for our first episode of the week on a Monday with the holiday schedule this week that got bumped up to an early morning schedule, but gave us a little more time to, to digest what happened in Madison on Saturday. We came to you with the post game podcast as we always do after these Nittany Lions games. And uh, since then, Sean, as, as we start to figure out the rest of the pieces, uh, the one thing that stands out the most is Penn State returned home from Madison with that victory. And we'll see how Wisconsin's schedule shapes up. But this could prove to be one of those measuring stick wins where you see a lot of teams across the country stumbling out out of the gates and, and failing to come up with those kind of performances. Well, you're just so used to playing a non-conference out of, you know, out of market team or whatever. And and you get a chance to get your feet wet. And this weekend, you just got thrown right into the fire. And for either team to come out for the with a win is going to be good. Now, of course, Wisconsin could be a 10-win team. They could be a 7-win team. It's hard to say. Their front seven is going to keep them in every game, I think, uh, for the most part, because it's, it's really, really good. Um, but Penn State, uh, you, you got to tip your hat. I mean, that's a that's a gritty win. That's not, like I said in the, in the post game the other day, it's not a game that they've won overwhelmingly over the last couple of seasons. So did a really nice job of getting where they needed to go, making the adjustments they needed to make. There's still a lot to clean up. And, you know, we, we often say that the, the biggest jump you can see is from week one to week two. Uh, let's hope so for the offense's sake. But uh, you got to once again tip your hat to Brent Pry and that defense for, for getting Penn State where they needed to be. Back home for four consecutive games, a real strong opportunity here for Penn State to build on that opening win. We're going to talk about the Ball State matchup later in the week. Upcoming episode, you'll hear from someone who knows that program really well. We'll get some insight on what they're bringing to Beaver Stadium on Saturday. Remember, they were the MAC champions last year. So uh, don't sleep on this matchup. I know everyone's excited for the September 18th whiteout showdown against Auburn, but Ball State first up on the agenda. You know, Penn State's coaches and players are well aware of that order of operations. A couple more episodes this week, but we'll start off here, Sean, with, with a quick look back at Madison, kind of reviewing some of the things we talked about on Saturday night, adding a few more thoughts there as well. Uh, offensively, defensively, some special teams as well. But let's start with defense because that was the storyline, Sean. Um, I, I think as you go through the numbers as you kind of realize what this defense did on Saturday, the amount of snaps they faced, 95 plays, facing 42 minutes of possession for Wisconsin, uh, down a few guys that who we expected to be part of the defensive plans here in 2021, 2021. 
down a couple more guys over the course of the game because of injury issues, and yet you come out of this process 10 points allowed, less than four yards per play. A lot of questions at Wisconsin, starting with their quarterback, Graham Mertz, but here in State College, a lot of well-deserved praise for this Penn State defense that, of course, was a major, major uh, part of that spiral entering the season last year. Just played so well under pressure. One of four uh, in the red zone, Wisconsin was. That's pretty much unheard of in this in today's game. Um, seven of twenty-one on third downs, which you know is fine. It, it, the, the number is is probably skewed a little bit because uh, Wisconsin should have converted more. I mean, they they were facing third and five on the on average, and a lot of times it was third and one, third and two because they ran the ball so ball so well, got themselves on schedule. Something Penn State did not do well at all. Um, so it's kind of reflexive in that in that way. But for Penn State to sort of have their back against the wall the entire time, not really any margin for error, especially in that first half when your offense was three and out for the most part. Uh, it was just an unbelievable job there uh, of doing that. I, I really. Uh, enjoyed watching this one again in terms of from a defensive standpoint. Nobody really enjoyed watching this one again. Um, but uh, Brent Pry's pressure was great. And that was really the overwhelming theme of this game was Penn State. We joked so many times last year about Jason away and almost sacks. The almost sacks this game are what won the game. This is what got Graham, Mer Graham Merch shaken. This is what made him make some of those bad throws and and really took him away from going from through his progressions because he had a couple open receivers. Um, he just didn't get to them. So I, I thought that was the most impressive part. Arnold Abakete, what a debut for him. Jesse Lucetta, almost a debut for him as well as a defensive end. Um, and for all the questions we have, and, and we still have questions about whether that group is deep enough. Smith Vilbert got in there a little bit this weekend. Of course, Nick Tarburton played really hard, found himself in a great spot a couple of times, uh, almost had two takeaways on his own. Um, but that that defensive end group really was was the one that made the difference. And um, you can't say enough about Ebikete. Uh when he was out there. I think it was a little bit uh, or when he was out of the game, it was a little bit different. But they got to the quarterback. The linebackers got to the quarterback it was hard on the linebackers outside of Ellis Brooks um, in the post game the other day. But I thought taking a second look. I think those guys are going to be pretty good. Um, they, they, little tentative at time looked like both look like first time starters, even though Brandon Smith uh, not, you know, ha has some experience. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like what I saw out of that group and you, you can't nick pit, nitpick too much because you gave up 10 points at Wisconsin to a, to a pretty good team. And I think a lot of the questions on this program outside of Sean Clifford, who was the question was the defensive line heading into this matchup week one, would they be up for this kind of a test? Uh, and if you had told us that they were going to have to handle that volume of snaps, that that challenge becomes you know almost insurmountable when you kind of think about Penn State's lack of depth and the, and the lack of prove, proven talent. And yet you look across the field, guys flying around. It's a lot of new faces out there. Uh, you got Derek Angelo, of course, starting at defensive tackle alongside P.J. Mustafer. Arnold Ebikede, as you just said, sets the tone with the first first defensive play of the game, a four-yard stop in the backfield, buries Ches Malusi in the backfield, and, and goes on from there and has a phenomenal performance, including a field goal block, including that late sack of, of Graham Mertz and, and leading to an intentional grounding in 10 seconds coming off the clock on their final possession. So you don't win this game without those transfers, and, and, and we'll get to Eric Wilson a little bit later uh, on the other side of the football ball playing left guard uh, but across the field I mean Nick Tarburton feels like a new guy in a lot of ways be because his role is so much different than where it has been in the past years I'm with you it felt like Jesse Lucetta seeing him line up at defensive end and the way he was moving the way he was impacting the game there it was a 
new version of Jesse Lucchetta. Of course, he's going to have to play linebacker with Ellis Brooks out for the first half this upcoming week. He was there toward the tail end of the Wisconsin game after Brooks's uh, ejection. And you see Kalen King on the field. Uh, you see Jair Brown, who, who had six total tackles last year in his first year, making plays, coming up with uh, with defensive stops. And um, I think for all that, that that's great, the newcomers making an impact for the Nittany Lions defense it was the play of some of these returners, and I'll go all three levels. Jaquan Brisker living up to that preseason buzz despite getting banged up and knocked around and sidelined and coming back. And warrior kind of effort was the way that you'll hear that one described. At the second level, Ellis Brooks. I mean, what a rejuvenated kind of performance. I mean, uh, the likes of which we had not seen through four previous years here of Ellis Brooks, and that's a long sample size. Uh, just a different looking player, the way he was reading, reacting, blitzing, um, truly deserved the kind of praise he was getting during that television broadcast. And unfortunately ends with him getting ejected on the targeting call. And then up front, PJ Mustafer, big conversation this offseason, maybe a little bit of an underrated conversation for, for what it will mean for this defense was him going from 300 pounds to 325 pounds, feeling like that was the right move for him feeling that, like that was the right move for this defensive front uh, and for the defense at large through conversations with Brent Pry and John Scott. I thought he largely looked a part of that kind of defensive anchor. And and a quick shout out to Dwight Galt, because whether it was the, the big fellas up front or, or the defensive backs flying around and, of course, on offense too, but defensively, these guys did not look gassed at any stage of this game. They looked certainly tried on that one stretch where you were without Brisker, you were without Ebikede, they were both on the on the sideline. Wisconsin went down and scored, and you thought maybe the tide was turning and this defense was going to start to get exposed as those reps carried on. But end of this thing, they slammed that door shut. A little bit of help from Graham Mertz in the process, who did not look good. But Penn State held up for four full quarters, and it just felt like the game when it was 16-10 to 10 after that extra point was missed. It really felt like the stage was set for this one to be a heartbreaker. The defense was not having it. They should have been absolutely gassed, and I'm sure they were. I mean, the, just from the outside looking in, but they they didn't break, and that's really um, kudos to to Dwight Galt uh, for Brent Pry putting those guys in those situations, and you know, guys stepping up uh, like a Smith Filbert. He's not going to you know do anything in the stat sheet, but he was there. Devon Ellis played a bunch of snaps as well. Charlie Catcher was in there, so some of these reserves playing a little bit bigger role than we probably expect going on the road against an opponent like that to open the season. So that was good safety play. Excellent. Uh, Brisker is a stud. Um, you know, he's he's going to have to continue to stay on this arc and he can be one of the top safeties in the country. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's a guy, you know, the last couple of years, uh, you, you've just had guys back there that were directing traffic and, and you know, sitting back and, you know, maybe the corners were a little bit more of the playmakers and the takeaways guy, the takeaway guys. Of course, you had Parsons at linebacker. Now you've got one of those guys at safety that can, you know, get where he needs to be, make plays. You know, that that you you look at that turnover that he forced, you know, that's not his guy. You know, he's watching that running back coming out of the backfield um, who stayed in to block. And, you know, he, he kind of freewheeled a little bit and ended up in the right spot. I mean, everybody knew it was going to Jake Ferguson anyway, including Brisker. Uh, but, you know, went up there and made that play and did a great job with that. And as we mentioned, Jair Brown, we wanted to see solid play out of him. I think he got better, better than solid play out of him. So, um, you know, we're going to we're going to sit here and nit, maybe nitpick the little things in, in terms of the defense, but 95 plays, uh, one of four in the red zone, seven of, of, of 21. And, th and then they forced turnovers when it mattered. And that's something, you know, you look and you, you kind of felt the here we go again 
um, feeling when when Penn State took over and was giving up those little out patterns and everything like that. But not only did you find yourself in a, in a spot where you could eventually force a turnover, but you kept those guys in bounds. And that's something that you know you, you really can't take for granted. Kept that clock running, kept things moving, making Wisconsin make their quarterback process. And that was not the, the, you know, that was not the thing that they wanted to do. That was the, you know, you wanted him to figure out where Danny Davis was, then figure out where Ferguson was and, and, and try and make that happen when that's rolling, you don't get that opportunity. And I think that was, uh, you know, an under, underrated aspect of Penn state's eventual defensive stance. And, and when you look at the ability of, of just getting Mertz, you know, moving to his, to, moving to his right or moving to his left or, or just having to evade pressure uh, he was incredibly ineffective. I think that was really disappointing for the Badgers, and and Penn State was consistent in doing that. And and one other guy I wanted to bring up as you talk about safety, because he's kind of been uh, you know the fourth or fifth name on that list that we've gotten to in, in recent weeks since preseason camp opened is Jonathan Sutherland, a guy who was cross training, playing some Sam linebacker behind Curtis Jacobs. Getting this matchup, and you say, okay, Sutherland's going to be your special teams guy, as you would expect. You'll see him here and there. Then no Keaton Ellis on the travel roster. Jaquan Brisker's banged up and on the sideline. You start to see a lot of Jonathan Sutherland in key moments at safety. Um, the question with Jonathan Sutherland and the reason why I don't think we're going to see him as a starter at this level is the pass coverage and, 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 and his ability to, to do everything that's required of you as, as a balanced Big Ten safety. But I thought he did a nice job in keeping the ball in front of him, keeping his opponent uh, in front of him, not letting anyone beat him deep. And did a nice job wrapping up in the open field when it was time and he was called upon. Overall, um, got nervous for Penn State's defense when we saw that there was going to be extensive snaps with for Jonathan Sutherland. Um, but I thought overall, um, in a Band-Aid kind of moment because of what the defense was going through, I thought he held his own and did what he needed to do. And and I, I, maybe that's a, a nice tip of the cap towards what Anthony Poindexter has done from a safety depth perspective as they got four or five guys now, um, you know, three beyond the starting lineup, it sounds like that they do feel like they can play when called upon. I don't think you want to have to do that for a prolonged period of time. It doesn't look like you'll need to with Brisker getting back in the fold and, and Brown finishing strong. But uh, I thought it was notable because we saw a lot more of Sutherland than either of us thought would be the case. And, and much of that was in the second half of a very tight game. Yeah. Yeah. He was up and down. I mean, he, he missed a big tackle there on the jet sweep uh, down in the red zone. That was, that was pretty bad actually. Um, but yeah, you, you don't really want to see too much of him out there. I think you, you know, he shows up a little bit limited athletically. And I think the Wisconsin game plan really helped him because they didn't try to go deep. They didn't try to get behind, uh, behind the defense or anything like that, but he did what he had to do. He, you know, he looked like a guy that is, is a tweener linebacker safety back there, but when he was in there, you know, he, they, they didn't break either. So, uh, but, but let's, let's be honest here. Having, having Brisker out there is a whole new ball, ball game. Yes. I mean, that's a different defense. Um, you know, when, when he and Evacate went out, it's no, no coincidence that Wisconsin went right down the field. Um, now it, the, the other guys admirably stepped up and, and, you know, held at times, but uh, having those guys out there, those guys are game changers and, and Penn state's been missing some of those from the secondary, Thought the corners um, were not tested, um, but did a pretty good job. I think there's some really smart football players back in that secondary and, and, you know, just getting guys where they need to be. And, and, and Sutherland is one of the, one of the top ones back there, but Porter making plays and freewheeling, doing some things. Castro fields is very smart. Um, even though Danny Davis uh, had a heck of a day, I went back and watched that this morning and it, 
boy, he's good. He's he, there's some really good football players on that Wisconsin team. You got Danny Davis, Ferguson's very good. Uh, Sanborn on defense, love watching him. Um, but uh, Penn State did, did what they needed to do. They got those turnovers at the end, which they haven't. Let's be honest, they haven't gotten in the last couple of years. And so uh, Brisker got one, Brown got one, and, and and they put Penn State where they needed to be to get this win. And and that's saying something. I mean, that's such a long day for them. I mean, you just kept hearing the broadcasters. Penn State's three and out. They've been off the field for a, a minute or 40 seconds or whatever it was. And, th- and then they got back out there. So you kept waiting for them to break and, and they didn't do that. And that's a ton of credit to all those guys. I think they played more players than, than we would have expected because when you go on the road, you sort of tighten up those rotations and things like that. Did a good job. And that's guys like, like Tangelo, um, just uh, Wisconsin – combo blocked the hell out of the the interior offensive line or the interior defensive line and they did a pretty good job doing it wasn't Wisconsin's best day in the offensive line but they had a, a better day than Penn State in that in that regard and that's why you see some of those eight nine yard runs opening up just uh sort of chipping and getting to the next level and doing a good job but uh yeah I mean th- there's there's not really much to criticize I mean you can nitpick and you can say that guys like Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs you think will get better as as time goes on as those reps go uh that rep count gets higher um but I mean you just gotta uh, 10 points on the road uh to open the season it's not a shutout but it's it's about as well as you could have hoped for and I think a lot of people want to see that five-star flash out of Brandon Smith we've seen some big time hits that have turned heads uh, you know you look at the stat sheet by the end of this game and 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 put together a pretty nice stat line. But and, and Brandon Smith, it seems this is kind of typical of Brandon Smith. Feels like he finds his footing as the game goes on. And, and by the end of it is just, I don't know, more quick to engage the play. I, I, I really, it's hard to describe, but you'd love to see him come out, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders as an effective, uh, a, a linebacker doing a little bit of everything, you know, kind of was overshadowed, I guess, early in the game by what Ellis Brooks brought to the table and what Arnold Abikede and Jesse Lucetta even were doing up in the defensive front. I feel like if you can get that sustained flash on a more consistent basis from Brandon Smith, a guy who really, as last season went on, I I thought by the end of it was a much different football player than he was at the start of it. You can get a similar progression here in year three, his second year as a starter. By the end of this, this season, I mean, the components this defense has to be special are there. There's there, there's zero doubt about it. And I think if we continue to see the kind of performance that you got out of a PJ Muster, an Arnold Abikade, a Jaquan Brisker, uh, in Madison, if we see that as basically the characteristics of this defense, the foundations of this defense is what those guys did in Madison is what you're going to get on a pretty consistent week by week basis. It's going to open the door for everything. The guy to me, though, that could swing it in, in the biggest way if we get more of what we saw on Saturday is Ellis Brooks, Sean. Yeah. Well, Brooks finished the play. Smith Smith was in position a good bit, uh, mm-hmm. just didn't finish as well. Um, I will say this. The most impressive things from Smith, uh, even though you said he, he did show up on the stat sheet and was up there in tackles and things like that, the most impressive things from Smith were him as a blitzer, uh, maybe as a second wave type guy. He's just so big and and, and fast and he gets up there and, and he altered some, he definitely altered some throws. Um, the, the, the would-be pick by Tarburton, should have been, uh, you know, attributed to Brandon Smith. He got there and he got in his face, and and Mertz had no idea that Tarbert had dropped back into that zone. Um, but yeah, that, that was fun to watch. Brooks blitzing, um, even Jacobs blitzing a little bit. That that uh, intentional grounding at the beginning of the game. Brooks got there. Jacobs took on the the blocker, and Brooks uh, Brooks went around, around and did some nice things. So just pressure from that front seven, a little bit more consistent this year. 
Um, and it really showed. And, and some of that you can attribute to Graham Mertz, maybe just being a little happy footed or, or just kind of keeping his eyes down a little bit, but they set the tone with pressure early and, and did a really nice job of, of, of getting him uncomfortable. And it paid off just the, the entire time. Penn State athletic versatility on defense really paid off in a big way as this game progressed. Um, there were a few missing components, though, that we'll have to address this week. We're going to have James Franklin coming up uh, this week, of course, other players. But missing in action, Keaton Ellis at safety, Hakeem Beeman, who's been uh, everything we're told, focused in on defensive tackle, although he's now under 260 pounds. It's been a Storyline this preseason that continues to, to carry into September without a look at him. So a couple pieces that you may be able to get back. Again, we'll have updates for you online 24-7 when we get some answers there. Um, and, off, and, and go sorry, ahead, I just yeah. I just realized since I'm on video, I'm looking at this other screen back here. So if I'm looking away from you, it's not uh, not that. I, I forget we have video people watching. And thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's just a little bit of adjustment here. So I'm, I'm looking at the other screen, looking at you, just kind of making a camera one, camera two type thing. So <laughs> I just I, I caught myself looking away and uh, I just fig figured if you're watching this, then I, I needed to explain myself a little bit there. Yeah, and you can you can watch us on on YouTube at Lions twenty four seven. Appreciate everybody. I think we're uh, up beyond two hundred subscribers already, and we've only had a couple episodes up there. So keep checking out things. Of course, if you like listening, just keep up with that too on on wherever you find your podcast. Sean, let's get over to offense, which did not put up a, a point in the first half and only one first down before halftime, and left a lot of us wondering what the hell was actually worked on for the last eight months and where it was going to go in the second half. Ultimately, Jahan Dotson does his thing. Clifford avoids the big turnovers. Noah Kane has his moment in the fourth quarter. That helps you get some separation. 16 points is not going to get it done in almost every case. When you look at this Penn State schedule, got it done in Wisconsin, and, and they come home. And more than any, you just feel great to come home with the win and a little bit of momentum now. There's a lot of questions to answer. You got some things to sort out. There's no doubt about it. And Sean Clifford needs to be better to put you in a position where you want to be for Penn State. But you come home with that W, and that continues to be what you can lean on. That's, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's yeah. it right there. You know, you, this, no doubt this was a defensive win, but you had to score points in order to get there, and they did that. Jahan Dotson probably be just disappointed his numbers weren't bigger. He was he was open quite a bit, especially down the field. Sean Clifford's deep ball's got to be got to be there um, on, on plays like that if you're going to rely so heavily. It's kind of like Moorhead a couple of years ago. If you're going to rely so heavily uh, on the big plays and and just doing the little things to set it up, and like you know that big that big completion at the end of the game, I think it went for 42 or something like that on the fake bubble screen. Screen and, and and getting Dotson to release. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you can expect. But you got to you got to hit those. Um, so Dotson, I mean, obviously a standout game regardless, but uh, could have been a lot better. Um, Clifford's going to be the guy that we talk about. That's not a not a surprise. Um, probably more impressed with him in terms of decision making um, in in critical situations where you know he's running around and needs to throw the ball away. Just throws the ball away. Last year he tries to force it in and make something happen. Uh, last year he probably fumbles that ball that uh, where Caden Wallace got beat off the edge, um, uh, third down sack there. Um, so baby steps, I guess we'll say. Um, I'm still very much in wait and see, but I mean the, the guy went on the road. He got a big win, a huge win. Deserves credit for it. Needs to clean some of those things up. Needs to get a little bit more confident with his footwork and be able to step into throws and and be able to to, to put those deep ones on because. Uh, I mean, you, you just walk if, if you walk away from that game with a loss, you're thinking of John Dotson running five yards past the defensive back uh, and, and Clifford missing him by another five yards. So clean up those things, get them going in the right direction. It's a good step forward for Sean Clifford. Going to uh, be a good opportunity for him to learn from that, to to figure out where he's he's coming from. And I think Penn State will get, get a chance to 
um, set up their protections more uh, more to their advantage this week. Uh, Wisconsin's front seven just came at him and just did a really, really nice job stunting, getting getting around, rolling at uh, a guy like Anthony Wigan, who they knew had not started before. And, and that was certainly a struggle for Penn State in the first half. Penn State made that adjustment. To their credit, Mike Yersich comes out, runs a little tempo, switches up uh, formations like crazy. I mean, he was not in the same formation twice in a row. I mean, that was pretty some pretty crazy stuff um, from them not being able to run the football getting the ball out, just uh, getting it to Parker Washington on the edge, getting it to Keandre Lambert-Smith on the edge, getting it to, to, to Jahan Dotson, any way they could do it. That's what eventually scored them the points, won them the games. Now, uh, need more out of those tight ends. was not a great week for those guys. As we we know how talented they are. They just did not show up in that in that situation. And the running backs, I think, a, a victim of circumstance, really. Noah Kane did some nice things late in the game. I thought Kevon Lee did some pretty good things in pass protection, but they they fully just jumped headfirst into the, the passing game and um, eventually got the points that they needed. Uh, but uh, you think you're going to need a little bit more complete uh, complete team performance moving forward. This is what I think is so kind of uh, tantalizing about where Penn State could be offensively because you've got Sean Clifford surrounded by these position groups that have all-conference talent. And on one game where, where that one group doesn't shine, you, you can that's okay because you've got, other, you've got other groups. You've got the receiver group here, Parker Washington, Jahan Dotson, Keandre Lambert-Smith. All three of them came up with plays that were really important to Penn State's victory. Tight ends, they were, they were there to block on, on Saturday. That was their job. They got that done. We saw three tight end set. How about that? 13 personnel under center on the Noah, Noah Kane touchdown run. That was good work. And by the way, I think you, you tweeted Brenton Strange just pile drive the uh, defender for for the batters back into the end zone there. These guys are more than just versatile pass catchers, of course. Yeah, and, and, and that was a highlight. I, I think they were fine uh, run blocking. No one was great, great in run blocking. Nobody was right? great in yeah, run blocking. No. And, and yeah, so you saw that at the end of the game as you try and wear that clock down a little bit. But uh they were okay with that, but they need to be better. I do. I mean, just mm -hmm. in every facet of the game, they need to be better. Uh, Penn State did try to get the ball to Theo Johnson. Uh, that fourth down play uh, was uh, was a slant, and unfortunately for for Penn State, the the Wisconsin it was defensive end or linebacker. I'm not sure which one off the top of my head. Just drop back right into that zone. There's nothing you could have done about that. And uh, you know, the, the the one thing I will say uh, while we're on that side of the field is is the short side was so just clogged. And Penn State kept going, kept going, kept going. And eventually they did hit that big play um, on a similar type bubble screen or fake bubble. But uh, they, they ran out of space a lot. And that's, uh, you know, you go on the road, you want to maybe shrink things down a little bit, get a little bit more conservative. And that, and that works to the, the side of the field as well. Um, but they also ran out of space a lot. And if you've got guys, if you're asking guys to take a bubble screen and make a guy miss instead of just getting to the sideline, then you're going to need a little bit more space to operate. Something that Jahan Dotson said last week stood out to me a little bit watching the game, and you referenced this earlier about how it feels like Sean Clifford has allowed some things to be taken off his plate, um, and maybe that was something he had a hard time with last year. He's focusing on, on what's within his power rather than trying to, I guess, be the play hero ball, which is, is not going to work out well for Penn State. And I think you saw that in, on display in a road game where, where your defense is playing great, where, where you're having trouble putting up points yourself. There were misses that were good misses. And, and I know that's a hard thing for some people to, to digest, that every miss is a bad miss to everybody, to some people, I should say. But when, when Sean Clifford is, is missing long or is miss, missing toward the sideline, you know he's not putting balls in arms. There was a couple scary moments where like, Sean Clifford cannot be throwing that pass. He started and, off the game with one. Yes, and and, and 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 that was almost like you saw that play, and you're literally like, 
this is precisely what we witnessed for you know most of the 2020 season. This is a carbon copy. Uh-oh, this is not good for Penn State. But that was an outlier kind of decision, an outlier kind of throw for Sean Clifford, because you think about if he makes that kind of throw in the third or fourth quarter when this game's not up, play like that can blow the blow this blow the whole conversation up, change the narrative, set up the Badgers with good field position. Well, they had plenty of, of opportunities in the red zone and Penn State stood tall. But I just think ultimately that's really the, the takeaway here for Clifford is in that environment. Uh, you know, Again, I mentioned this last episode, surrounded by guys who are looking around and, and just don't know what it's like to play on the road in the Big Ten. You didn't see a bunch of penalties on offense. You didn't see them taking terrible timeouts on offense. Uh, that's major credit to, to Clifford, of course, even more so to, to Mike Yersich, who, you know, based on what we hear about how things went in halftime, going through your first 30 minutes of football as the offensive coordinator and producing one first down, it sounded like he, he was not in, like, let's tear down and rebuild it mode. He was saying, let's keep taking our shots. You saw them take some shots. That opened things up, ultimately, for Noah Kane in, in the running game. And, and Kane was big. Kane, come, Kane, Kane came up in the clutch in those two uh, – Drives one resulting in the time uh, field goal, one resulting in the go ahead touchdown, which he scored himself. But beyond that, um, this team's got to be able to run the football. It should be something that they do very well with the running back group, with the offensive line talent that we've seen them accrue. That was something that was a, a serious shortcoming against Wisconsin. But we said this before. How many more times in the course of 2021 are you going to be up against a defense like that in an environment like that? There is something to be said for Penn State surviving and coming out of seriously like one of the most incredible tests they will face no matter where the season goes for them uh, yeah i think they'll be able to run the ball moving forward a little bit better i mean you've got they've you've got, got to make to strides got to make strides at, at running back i mean the, the two positions that we we think are the most talented running back and tight end you got to get more out of those guys um as they settle in and figure it out uh you went with kane uh, uh I, I suffice to say a heavy dose of Kane, but when you take it, you know, when you break it down by percentages, mostly Kane, some Kevon Lee, who was trying to to be a back that he's not. Um, and then you've got uh, Devin Ford, I think was in for one drive. So um, feeling out that rotation, you, you gotta be better. I will say with the offensive line, you get more Eric Wilson out there. I think you'll be okay. I think that's, a, I think he's going to be a guy that comes along in the next couple of weeks. The more he gets adjusted to the style of play, the speed of play at this level, uh, he, he was better than Anthony Wigan on, on Saturday. I don't think there's any question about it. Wigan looked like he was a little bit too, too much for him. And he seemed overwhelmed at times. Now that's a heck of a first draw uh, to, no to go to Wisconsin for a defense that's attacking like that. They attacked, um, they went right after guys like Wigan. They went right after that interior line. Uh, Keon, the big boy Keanu in the middle was, uh, was impressive. Uh, so that's a, that's a tough draw, but I thought Eric Wilson did okay. Um, and that, that's really what you're looking for from that, that spot, that whole group across the front, uh, especially the interior um, needs, needs to be better. The tackles need to stop having some of those lapses. Uh, Walker jumping off sides early in the game was, was something that put them behind. Kane Wallace gave up a, a couple of speed rushes and he's still learning to uh, learning to play out there on the right side. But uh I think I think they'll they'll make some strides. Uh, you know, no offensive line in this game in this college game right now is is great. Um, even even Wisconsin, you know, you expected them to be fantastic. I thought they were they were good. I mean, they were probably average to good. Um, but the little things that they did well, the combo blocks to get into the second level, is what set them apart from from Penn State on Saturday. I, I think Wisconsin will probably tell you that 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 offensive line did not play their best game. And, uh, you know, you get, of course you got to credit Penn state's defense, just like we're crediting Wisconsin's defense, but, uh, it's a tough, that's a tough task when you go from, from where they went, 
not playing in front of fans for a year to making uh, calls beside somebody with a hundred thousand people there or whatever it was. Um, that's a, you know, you kind of let them off a little bit there, but of course they, they have to be better. Yeah. There, there were certainly uh, struggles picking up some of the, the extra pressure supplied by the second level uh, Wisconsin Sanborn had a heck, heck of a day as we referenced on Saturday coming up at linebacker. Uh, but yeah, communication seemed to be an issue there. And to your point, I mean, we talked to Rashid Walker last week about his first career start. It was at home and a 60 point win over Idaho. And you think about that compared to Anthony Wiggins first start on the road against Wisconsin yeah, an, uh, a big challenge and, and unfortunately did not seem prepared to meet it. I'm with you. I think Eric Wilson was certainly the more effective player at left guard, um, a guy that that I'm very curious to, to see if, if he's, you know, not necessarily the, the first guy out there this week, but how much do you do you let him come off the field? You know, what's the approach going to be for Phil Troutwine uh, at that left guard spot as he tries to, to get things on solid footing one through five on that offensive front? Very curious there. And uh, Sean, just like the defense, the offense missing someone in action, although I'm not sure how much he would have played or if he would have made much of an impact considering how things went for the running backs. But John Levitt. John Lovett, I should say, uh, out of Baylor, not in the starting, not in the travel roster. Um, so we didn't get a chance to check out his first action. We were anticipating this would probably be the outcome, at least him not playing in this game as a as a running back, based on what we saw in practice. But uh, they are, we would think, going to get another body back in that backfield. Um, a lot to sort through there. But Lovett is a guy who we've mentioned for a while. You know, pushing to be that number three guy, which in this case was Devin Ford, one carry for one yard. Yeah, and he seemed healthy at practice last week, so you're hoping that that's something where they can push through and, and get him where he needs to be. You know, Keaton Ellis and, and Beeman were at practice last week as well, so just getting those guys back uh, adds to your depth, adds to your your talent level, and we'll see what happens. I mean, the, 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 you you certainly have more come away from this game with more questions about the, uh, the offense than the defense. Um, week one to week two, we'll see what happens uh, against Ball State. So this was an interesting award that popped up on Monday morning, Sean, Jordan Stout, punter Jordan Stout had a tremendous game and and you were very fast to note this during our post-game podcast, what he was able to accomplish. Now, place kicker Jordan Stout made this one a lot more anxiety ridden than maybe it needed to be. Uh, the extra point uh, missed the 23-yard field goal that was missed, as Franklin alluded to, and as you probably have seen by now on the replays, some issues there with where the ball was placed on the hold. That goes into account, but these are must-make kick situations for any Power 5 program with major aspirations. Jake Pinnegar, from what we understand, available for the game. That's all we got, though, out of James Franklin. It's going to be asked about again this week, but that can happen. If this is a one-off and Jordan Stout just had one of those days, that's great. If this is something that's going to be a trend, uh, it's going to be a storyline that does not work out in Penn State football's favor. Kick the ball very well. Um, with the exception, he was a little bit too close on that field goal, and then he had the bad uh, the bad hold on the PAT. That needs to be cleaned up. That's all three of those guys stole uh, Rafcheka and, and Stout need to be on the same page there. Uh, thought it was interesting. I think Bradley King was the holder at times last year, the reserve holder. He didn't make the trip uh, this weekend, so we'll see what happens as we look closer into that special teams unit. But uh, no arguments as a punter. I mean, he booted the hell out of the ball it was uh actually fun to watch he struggled last year i don't think there's any doubt about that but you saw more of that natural leg strength um to open the season against wisconsin and then kicking it off really wasn't even close i mean i don't even think they fielded a kick uh even even in the end zone so stout from those two facets was was very very good um 
got to work on the PATs. And I assume by the time most of you listen to this or some of you listen to this, we'll have a little bit more in depth on Jake Pinnaker. Hard to say whether that's the case or not. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's, that's a lot to put on one guy's plate, uh, but good for him. Big 10 special teams player of the week. Uh, you know, uh, again, we, I love the long snappers around here. Chris stole uh, a good week, punt snapping, putting it where it needs to be. Um, Cause that can make a difference and never under pressure. Um, and when he wasn't under pressure, I mean, he kicked, just I said it before, booted the hell out of the ball. You had a 76 yard punt. You don't usually think, but going from the other uh, 24 yard line, you don't usually think about maybe trying to back it up or something like that. But he just he just let it fly. It was um, it went into the end zone eventually. But uh, yeah, there was that from special teams. You had uh, AJ Litton covering punts, and I thought doing a good job. He got flagged for the one, and they got flagged for the other. That got called back for the block in the back, but. Uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where they were at. Still some work to do on special teams. Um, got some um, some guys covering kicks that are are starting to get more experience. Of course, you've got Drew Hartlaub out there who's been around forever. Um, but Litton's out there. We saw Caleb Brown out there. Um, true freshman walk on, which is a pretty cool story. Um, but uh, it starts with Jordan Stout, um, and and hopefully they, they 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 iron out those whatever is whatever was happening with the short field goals. You mentioned the 76-yard bomb he had in the third in the third quarter. Five punts went beyond 50 yards from Stout. Um, he had a 53.9 yards per punt average, which is the second highest in single game history for Penn State. Uh, 54.8 was the high mark. Uh, Ralph Gio Camaro. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> 1981. How could you forget, Sean? Uh, 54.8 versus Syracuse. So. Uh, just a tre- that's right. that's <laughs> tremendously pro- prolific day as a punter for Jordan Stout, and he is your Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Year. Although that announcement did turn some heads for people who viewed the game it and was, saw what else it, happened. <laughs> it was interesting to see how many people felt they needed their opinion to be shared on that that particular tweet or any other any tweet re- re- reflecting that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess that's what uh, that's what Twitter's for. So. You mentioned some of the guys who made their debut. In in total, nine new Nittany Lions made their Penn State debut on Saturday. Uh, the man we mentioned leading off the defensive conversation, Arnold Ebikade, was the headliner there. You also had Derek Tangelo in the starting lineup at defensive tackle. You had Eric Wilson playing a lot at left guard. Um, some of the other transfers we saw involved, uh, the two cornerbacks, John Dixon, A.J. Linton, uh, who was involved as a, as a gunner on punt return, uh, too fast for his own good, apparently, according to the officials, but he is very fast. I think Terry Smith said 4-3 range last week uh, for the Florida State transfer. Kalen King made his debut as a true freshman, which you said. Caleb Brown uh, as a walk-on defensive back. He's a name that surfaced. Nick Dawkins made his debut, Sean, uh, interior offensive lineman. We've seen him at guard, at, at center on the practice field. He was involved on special teams uh, offensive li- on the special teams line in Madison. And then lastly, Winston Eubanks, who is a senior walk-on transfer from Shippensburg, a Division II program. Uh, he played a little bit on offense, limited action for any wide receiver uh, beyond those starting three, and he was also involved on kick return. So nine guys uh, say hello to the Nittany Lions uh, fans for the first time on the field. Yeah, we talk about those tighter rotations, and you look at corner. We expected Kalen King to be the third corner. He got a handful of snaps. Tariq Castro-Fields was out there nearly every play. Joey Porter out there nearly every play. Just on the opposite side, receiver as well was the same the same yeah. situation. So um, very cool to see those guys, especially Ebikete, Tangelo, very big parts of that win. The receiver was a stranglehold, by the way. It was just like it was it was Keandre Lambert Smith, it was Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, and then it was just just a tremendous drop off. I think that rotation will develop 
I think we'll see games where Penn State is able to build a lead, and then we'll be able to see more of everybody else. Ball and, State and lot, coming, and, yeah, and a lot of tight ends in that situation, not just you know hand on the ground or a guy on that the, the, on the tackle's hip or something like that. They came out second play of the game and stacked Brenton Strange and uh, and Theo Johnson in twins to the right with in essentially a four receiver look. So they're willing to use those tight ends as receivers as we thought they would be. Um, just need a little bit more production out of those guys. Got some coverage coming out of the Wisconsin game, of course, up on lines247.com. Mark Brennan has done some really great breakdowns uh, since returning home. Uh, Sean and I doing what we can here from, from home base in State College. We have a few more things coming up. And, of course, once we get into Tuesday now, we're preparing for player calls. James Franklin, a lot of stuff now going to go from finalizing thoughts on the Wisconsin game to shifting gears towards that Ball State game. We'll do that in our next episode with some conversation on Ball State, Penn State's week two opponent. But first, Sean, it's time for our five-star mailbag to wrap up this episode, and it dives into the leader of these Nittany Lions. James Franklin seems to be a different person than he was in 2020 with more drive than ever. Is this something you can pick up on when covering the team, and what kind of an impact does that have on and off the field? Sean, clearly this question stems from your tweet about James Franklin being a different person than he was in 2020. He, he, he flatly is. And uh, there's nothing like James Franklin in 2020 than, than you saw, uh, or, or there's nothing to compare to what you saw on Saturday. I mean, the, he took a guy's hat and then punched him. Or whatever <laughs> it was. Um, but no, I mean, this is, this is night and day. Uh, I just kind of picked it up. I think the football letter uh, is the one that tweeted out that video after the game. And he's always, you know, trying to get the most out of his emotions and things like that. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it, it's a different guy, and that's that's good for the team on the field. That's good for the coaches around him. Uh, very very good for his staff, uh, just all throughout the Lash Building. And it's really, as we've seen, really good for recruiting as well. So it's been a long year. Um, I know that that's something where you know to get this win is a great win in itself. But to come back and, and just see all that take uh take form and set yourself up for an opportunity to continue i mean because we, we talked about this before you lose that game tailspin is is certainly a possibility um but yeah it, it i think it's just a different guy and everybody benefits when the, when the when the big guy is is happy this was the latest sign of it um and and it's just it, when we think about where he was openly admitting he wasn't good in the mental space in the middle of a season you just don't hear that from a head coach at this level of, of the sport that's what we were hearing last year this time doing victory laps and on the road and, and as you said just being completely just you know, it seems like he is just loving soaking up the interactions and he's always talked he's a people person that's what fuels him so imagine what it's going to look like and imagine how fired up he's going to be when he makes that pregame lap around beaver stadium next week and gets that crowd on his side and by the way there was a pretty good indication that things were moving in the right direction with james franklin's state of mind all year long of course they got back on the field in spring but remember what penn state did on the recruiting trail in july that is also tied into this subject as well yeah, when he can get around people, that's when he's at his best. And um, obviously, he's always had that that uh, reputation as a recruiter. But it's uh, it, it definitely shines through. Um, you know, it's shown, it's shown through there. And then, of course, on the field, uh, coming off. I mean, that's got to be a weight off of his shoulders to get where he needs to be. Um, and like I said, when when he's happy, everyone's happy. And 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 I've noticed that from just from talking to people in the building, it's just completely different than it was a year ago. Um, you know, was separated from his family and, and everything like that. And, you know, he, he makes an awful lot of money. You know, mm. people are not going to feel bad for him uh, being in certain situations because he makes an awful lot of money. Um, but if you can clear that corner as, as a human being, then 
you you could set yourself up for for some really good things. And so I'm excited to see uh, him back. It's, it was not the guy that that I that I know. Um, you know, seeing him on the sideline last year, seeing him in press conferences and things like that. This is this seems to be a different guy now. Got to go out and win this week. Got to go out and win the, the following week or or what have you. Um, as we mentioned, that we can we can say great things about everybody, but you got to go out and do it. And uh, I think he's he's set himself up and he's set his team up. Um, you know, I don't think there's any question that the camaraderie that we've talked about and the team attitude that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that's been a storyline that all the players have been talking up, uh, that results in wins like at Wisconsin. And I mean, you just think about, even if they weren't coming off of a 2020, that was, this would still be a, a remarkably impressive win in James Franklin's resume at Penn state going on the road against the 12th team in the country in the season opener and coming back with that win. You, you, Add in the context of what they're coming off of and all the questions swirling around this program, James Franklin's status as a, as a top-tier coach, huge, just a huge, huge win in his career, which we're now in number eight uh, season for, for him at Penn State. Sean, looking toward the future really quickly before we wrap up this episode, uh, you compiled a, a few notes here on Penn State performances. And Tyler Johnson, how about this? A touchdown in three different ways. 100-yard pick six touchdown interception return, 89-yard return for a touchdown on special teams, 38-yard rushing touchdown. He's the wide receiver out of Virginia who committed to Penn State this summer. And then Drew Aller, this is the other one that jumped out to me. Um, it sets a, a Medina County record with 57 and counting touchdowns, uh, but, but he was dynamic in that victory. 391 passing yards on 32 completions with four touchdowns uh, for the Penn State commit. 32 of 43, which is the thing that we wanted to see, that completion percentage go up. Um, so certainly a good showing there. Nick Singleton also broke a Berks County record um, for career touchdowns, I believe it was. So another big weekend. And Katron Allen, 191 yards, uh, four touchdowns. They played a real high school this A real weekend. team, yes. Uh, so that that's good to see. Um, but another big weekend. I think Tyler Johnson, probably the headline, because um, we – really don't talk about him that much, but I'm very interested to see what happens when, you know, he turns those athletic numbers into production this fall. He had a great, uh, great spring season because Virginia pushed back their season for, for last year for uh, due to COVID. Um, but he's certainly out there uh, producing Anthony Ivy had a big game, I think seven catches. Um, so Penn state's group of uh, uh, 2021 commits, uh, not all of them are putting up huge numbers, but a bunch of them really some, some eye popping stats. And now we're about three and a half months away from signing day when those guys will put pen to paper, a bunch of them coming in January. Uh, we'll continue to keep tabs on that group and, and have highlights up on lines247.com on a week-to-week -week basis. Sean, that is episode one. We've got three more between now and the end of the day, Saturday. It's going to be a Saturday evening post-game podcast with a later kickoff against Ball State and Beaver Stadium. We're back with you midweek this week to talk about Penn, uh, James Franklin's press conference, some conversations with players, what are the storylines emerging between games one and game two? And we'll talk to a Ball State insider. I think you may have heard of him. He'll be on the show with us here on Lines 24-7 Podcast. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Thanks, of course, to my co-host, Sean Fitz. I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you all real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.